everyone. Kia ora koutou. Welcome to Monday, April 11th. Tonight, we have three guests. Sport rotten. Yes, we are. Tonight, we have Michael Frampton. He is host of the long-running Surf Mastery podcast. We're going to be talking surfing and his work and parenting, but also grief and how that changed his life and his experience. Uh, so, yeah, we he might have a few life hacks for us and a healthy peppering of humour. We're also going to welcome um, a little bit along the way, about 10 past nine, we're going to ask Finn from Wellington to Fadima. He's going to be joining us and give us some great input on peer support in mental health and wellness. And then later on, we've got Bevan. He's joining us from Aussie, awesome musician. And he also has a little story to share with us as well. So let's just go straight to Michael. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. How are you, Michael? Oh, good evening. I'm great, Selena. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us tonight on the show. Uh, it's a really great honour to have you here. You're in the Hawke's Bay. I am at the moment, yes. Oh, lovely. Sunny? It was today. Beautiful day today. Yes, cloudless sky, 22 degrees. Oh, very pleasant. Yeah, and how are the waves? Oh, I didn't surf today, <laughs> so I'm not sure. I try not to look if I don't get the opportunity to go. Yeah. Gosh. We just met recently, and um, you told me a story, and it was pretty phenomenal, and there's some funny bits in there, but also some really sad bits as well. So, um, yeah, I think you're, uh, you're a strong guy, you've got a good story to share with us, and you may inspire uh, other people to maybe join us in the chat, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty serious one, isn't it, tonight, mostly? It can, it can feel like that sometimes. Like you yeah. alluded to, I think, you know, your life can be a mixture of comedy and tragedy. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, um, this grief affects everyone differently. It, it depends what it is. I mean, it could be, it could be a, a sudden death of a relative. It could be a relative going to prison. It could be um, the suicide of a friend it just it could be anything and um even like a divorce or a separation there's all many forms of grief and um yeah i think mental health is very important and um people shouldn't hide away and withdraw and we're going to touch on that aspect of it with finn in a, in a few minutes but um why don't you just tell us about why and when you moved to malibu so yeah i was living living in sydney or moved away from new zealand like 17 years ago and then ended up in sydney in 2016 2017 and my wife's business at the time was doing very well and we decided to take that business to america and we ended up moving uh, when i say the business was doing very well it was and we ended up moving to point doom in malibu california and uh, she was the, the main breadwinner and uh, I was the stay-at-home dad. We had three young kids at the time and um, whilst the kids were sort of at daycare and at school, I, had, I was surfing 
surf coaching and continuing the Surf Mastery podcast, which I started back in uh, 2016. That's it's the basic outlay of the story, how we ended up in Malibu. Um, so the kids were all pretty young then, and um, yeah. they started school there? They did. Uh, well, um, we were my eldest, who's 10 now, he was already in school in Sydney. He was at a Montessori and on the northern beaches there. But yeah, we um, went straight into um, the the primary school in Malibu, and then the other two younger ones, once they were old enough, um, were into daycare. And they start, you know, they even, you know, the daycare over in America, they start learning pretty early. Yeah. So all of my kids, by the time they were four, were all reading. And wow. America's a very different school system over there. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's just got such a massive population and uh, yeah, things are kind of done on a different scale and there's just so many resources. And it so, sure is, um, yeah. Pe- people love their jobs over there and there's so many. You're yeah. right, especially when you live in a place like Malibu, you end up getting the best of the best that are yeah. attracted to there. And we were living a blessed life. You know, we, we also had a, a live-in nanny who was helping out with the kids as well. We'd have a cleaner that would come around. So it had a lot of, um, and outside of the, when the kids were looked after, there was a lot of free time. So it was, it was a very blessed life over there. Yeah, nice. And um, life's going really well. Everyone's busy and you, you stay at home dad. Yeah. And then and what happened? Well, um, this time last year, on April the 3rd, 2021, uh, my wife passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. And um, because we were there on her, essentially we, the, the visas that we had to be in the country were uh, associated with her job. So the day she died, we lost our visas. Uh, we essentially lost everything. And uh, the government gave us 60 days to leave the country. And of course there was lockdown. I remember sitting on online, it took me four days of just refreshing the, the page on Air New Zealand website and the, you know, and the, the um, <laughs> isolation website, you had to line them up. It was, it literally took four days to, to book a flight that we only just got out of the country in time to avoid prosecution. It was, it was a, it was a high, high drama. So essentially had to come back to New Zealand, um, live in my sister's bedroom for a few months because there was no houses available. Yeah. Um, so I was literally in a bedroom with my three traumatized, grieving kids, in my sister's bedroom, and and, and uh, yeah, that was a rough a rough time of life. Yeah, it sounds very very hectic, and that that threat of prosecution because you're on someone else's visa in a foreign country. Uh, yeah, it would have been very very stressful. Um, yeah, and did you yeah, have no. enough support when you came back here, do you think? From my family, yes. Yeah, from the New Zealand government, no. Okay. Yeah, but my family was there. Um, my, I got a sister and a mother, or two sisters and a mother here. My dad was, wasn't too far away as well. So, yeah, they, they made sure we were looked after as best they could. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it certainly was a stark contrast to living the life we were in Malibu. Yeah. Um, so you, that, that that was you know for me I grew up here in New Zealand but for the kids that was all they knew you know essentially they were you know Malibu spoiled brats and they had to come <laughs> back to New Zealand and and live with my white trash family and in, in the in the country and and start a new school and 
you know, so. <laughs> why did he quote? Why did he say white trash? Oh, I know. I just I grew up on a dairy. I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, dis, essentially, a dysfunctional family. Really, I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, you know, my my parents were they had a rough time when we were kids but they stayed together for us and then they they split up uh, when we were a bit older um and you know you don't really you don't realize that until you sort of i mean i was lucky enough to in malibu um and in america to go through therapy and things so you kind of discover all this sort of stuff later on so i guess in hindsight um just a bit of tongue-in-cheek really um and my family have been have been really supportive and great and um, you know, my parents have moved on and stuff. But yeah, that was my, essentially my past, you know. Yeah. And how has the transition been, you know, like after Christmas and New Year's and all that? Was so... <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. You're happy in your, in your current work and um, you're staying busy enough now? Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up, you know, finding our own place and... Um, I'm I'm continuing my podcast, and uh, so there's not much. I'm living in a little town called Waipukara, and there's yep. certainly no demand for surf coaches here. Um, so <laughs> I'm just uh, transitioning my work onto into online, uh, keeping the podcast going. Um, you know, designing an online course. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, you sound really just motivated. Trying to get everything online, really. Which. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But so it was almost once nice. you've. Once you've tasted the cream, it's hard to. You're so much more motivated to go back, you know. Once we, once you've lived the good life, yeah. and you realise how good it can be, it's uh, you know, very motivated yeah. to get back there. Yeah, good. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Yeah. Great attitude. Just gonna have um, have a chat with oh Finny boy. There we go. Finn. He works at. Here we go. Tufari Ma Finn from Hi there. Yeah, so I guess you want to know a little bit about Tefari Ma, the White House. Yes, please. Okay, so the White House started about uh, 30 years ago. Um, we also use the dual name Tefari Ma just because it started off as a building that was white uh, and it was a consumer led initiative to have space away from clinicians and that was about 30 years ago with you know historical issues of abuse in state care and so it was kind of respite from clinicians but now we're opening up our doors um, to the greater community and also to some clinicians we now have a clinical psychologist working with us and um Definitely, yet yeah, some people come from all different backgrounds. That's the thing. It, the mental illness doesn't discriminate. Um, one in five people are affected uh, at some time in their life. Um, so giving people a sense of a purpose to get up in the morning, um, to be part of a community, uh, is really helpful and activities which we're uh, providing a lot more of now because we don't want people sitting around dwelling on too much we want people to be active and feel better leaving the service hopefully then when they arrived yeah is that a free service 
Yeah, so you can get a referral from simply a GP um, or a psychiatrist, doesn't have to be. Right, that's fully funded. Yeah, we, we, we get most of our funding from the DHB um, and we also apply for community funding and um, various other ones, which I, I won't specify at the moment. No worries. And some, some just nice benefactors, yeah. So you have, um, just trying to imagine what this house is like, the White House, they call it. Yeah, and we joke about having a coffee with Barack Obama when he was in vogue, and um, and we're well aware of the connection with the other White House in Auckland. Um, that's another show. <laughs> and uh, so you have like a big lounge with lots of couches and chairs, yeah, and tea and coffee have, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, tea, coffee. Um, that they're all the regular things, meetings. Um, so I'm part of the management committee, which is more to do with day-to-day -day running and policy uh, and procedure type issues. Um, and I'm also a member of the governance committee, which is more long-term plans and financial issues. You mentioned exercise. Is that, is that a big part of people's recovery? Yeah, so we're providing movement classes, uh, organized walks, um, trips to other associate organizations. Um, we also refer people to other clinicians, not that we are at a clinical level. We, um, so, but we can help direct, listen to people as a peer, because that's the thing with, um, so that's the thing with um, peer supporters, not trying to intimidate like the perspective so much people feel intimidated by doctors especially psychiatrists so we're there to share their journey with them and help them arrive at their own destination nice and slowly and gently hmm. what's uh, what is you mentioned the motivation to get out of bed um what do you do if someone just doesn't want to get out of bed well, that's the thing. You, you, I mean, obviously, you don't want to pester them too much, but you also want to encourage them. Um, so we send out texts to remind people of activities, and we also appreciate that some days you just don't want to go to work or, or do anything, um, and we appreciate that, um, that co-papa, because we are meant to be sympathetic to these issues in this line of work yeah mm, yeah i imagine a decent amount of sleep and just chilling and relaxing is a big part of recovery as well that's right especially some medication that can um limit your activity so much um and also trauma and what you talked about grief um it's a process and uh ultimately acceptance is at the end but when you're in those feelings it's um it, it, a problem shared is a problem halved and um being part of a community is a great way to build up your psyche again yeah yeah having people around i mean i, I had no luxury of sleeping in after my 
grief and trauma i had three mad spoiled brat malibu kids that would just wake me up at 5 30 every morning it was go 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 so that that, that literally got me out of bed you know and they yeah. were in focus and, so and living for someone else instead of just yourself being live in some ways that yeah it, it, you when you change your focus of how you feel to caring about other people then you find yourself picking yourself up and carrying on a lot easier yeah yeah i mean i can't imagine i being isolated would and not getting those texts and not having a knock on the door hey can you get it that would be the worst because you just crawl up into a ball and isolate and disappear that's right yeah so um yeah um and and also respecting that we're all on a different journeys and we all take different types of medication for all different reasons because historically mental health was just shrugged away and kept in a corner but the more people celebrities that are coming forward about what we call lived experiences similar to what you've experienced that you've mm. gone through it yeah there's a lot of yeah. stigma around mental health there, sh there sure is whereas it should really just be treated like any other you know physical illness or, or, or disease that you might get it's, it's there's so much stigma around it and it's um it becomes you get embarrassed by it really because of that Can but do, it's yeah. like you know it's real it's it's real though it's like mm. you're entitled to your emotions that's yeah so we, we we don't do any diagnosis that's up to psychiatrists but um our job is also to help validate people because that's a really good motivator to get going and see your pest port workers their yeah. ongoing relationship because psychiatrists can only spend about 20 minutes every three months because they're in high demand uh whereas we have more of an ongoing day-to-day -day relationship and yep. the mental health the health system in general is becoming more of a multi-tiered layered system of privacy and sensitivity those at the top have got very high access information but people at the coal face um, they have enough information just to have that um, basic information um, just in case there are any issues, yeah. Mm. It's hard to deal um, with uh, the symptoms too of trauma because it's so. Well, I think one of the one of the main symptoms for me and my kids was they were just me myself included and them just complete assholes. Like we were just so negative and and ungrateful for everything because of what we'd been through, you know. And that was hard for my sister to deal with. I think, but they did well. Yeah, yeah, kids uh, can have no filter and they can be quite harsh and that, yeah, it makes you feel sort of like unwanted and, you know, nothing's good enough <laughs> for this what? little kid. It's just like, come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then, then they can be like just super lovey-dovey with you and uh, you're the best parent in the world and... Yes, it's um, there's still there's so much to learn. There's yeah, and they're growing up in a tough, tough time too. Mm. But um, we're gonna bring in um, Bevan. You guys stay right there. I'm just gonna give um, me old mate Bevan Spears a bit of an intro. 
Um, we met years ago. We were both, well, all of the whole group of us, probably mild alcoholic uh, teens. <laughs> you know, sorry, but it's kind of true. Um, Bevan was a local celebrity. Shockingly talented guitarist. He could sing as well. Um, yeah, I had just moved back from Australia and was a little bit annoyed to be uh, kind of like you, Michael, moving back to New Zealand after a beautiful sunny country. And um, yeah, met this bunch of people, including Bevan and his music. It just really inspired us. So um, he's also got a little uh, little story to share with us. Welcome, Bevan Spears. Oh, Hi. audio. The audio. Oh no, we've got no audio. Unclick, unclick. Shall I pretend to be Bevan? Hi, I'm yes. Bevan. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He's, he might have to go yes, on another I have a cool program. Hat. Yeah. I can't hear you, uh, Bevan. Uh, audio. That's okay. my guitar uh, amp on my left shoulder. Yeah, I like playing guitar. I have a sign, too. Yes. I came prepared for no audio. <laughs> you might notice the spelling of my name. It's not like the spear you throw. No relation to Brittany, I'm assuming. Okay, Michael, you just keep chatting. I'm <laughs> running out of material. <laughs> no, no, this has happened. Um, this has happened to thousands of guests we've had over the last six, seven months. Uh, Technology—it's like, only good when it works. Yeah. Anyway, you're right there, Finn. You good? Yeah, yeah. Hi. Okay. Do you have to get up early tomorrow? Uh, I've got a meeting in the morning. Yeah, I might sign off. I've had a long day. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long day for me too. But uh, yeah, thanks for your um, for your yeah, commentary. Thanks for me on the show. supporting grieving people. Yeah, yeah, makes a huge um, difference. I hope you um, reach the end of your process with uh, peace and love. Yeah, thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. See you. Thanks very much, Ben. Take care. Over to you, Michael. <laughs> Tell okay. us a little bit more about the podcast. The podcast, I started it in, yeah, 2015, I think it was. Yeah, basically when we moved to, I, I started surfing when I was 17, but when I went to the beach, there was no, there was no one else around. So completely self-taught, just, you know, watching surfing videos and, and then fast forward about 10 years, I ended up living in Sydney. And by this time I was, personal training was my job and I scored a job at the high performance surfing center in Sydney. Um, and I was the personal trainer for the surfers in the gym. And my boss was uh, one of the surf coaches for the junior team there, um, ex-pro himself. And I was, as well as just talking with him and meeting and training all of the semi-pros and pro surfers and just the level of surfing of just the recreational surfer in that area was so high and just immersed, completely immersed in the surf culture. And I was learning so much about surfing. And I thought, all these conversations that I'm having, I should probably share them because there's so many uh, so many people that didn't grow up around this rich surf culture that could just learn from these conversations. So I just, uh, and I've always been, I've always loved radio. And yeah. so I just, I just asked him, hey, would you want to be in it let me interview you and he said yes and then i was training tom carroll two times world champ at the time i was helping oh, him with his i was helping him with his knee rehab um and he he did my second episode um and then i think because i think literally think because tom had agreed to do one of the first episodes of my podcast 
and he's such a big name in the industry it was easy for me to get other people i ended up interviewing yep. pete pete evans who's a celebrity chef at was quite famous back then and he was a surfer as well and and just went on from there um have you met kelly slater i haven't yet okay i've, I've um, been trying to get him but i yeah he's a he's a hard man to pin down what do i follow this guy on instagram and he's always posting videos of that um somewhere in portugal eddie Serra. yeah so, this massive Oh, the Nazare, the big waves. Nizar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's... Yeah. Surfing's yeah. so diverse. I mean, most people surf waves that are no taller than them, whereas those waves are just... That's a different... Those guys are nuts, basically. They are. I'd rather be a spectator. Yeah. There's lots of photographers and, yeah, it's just it looks like a very exciting tourist spot to go. But, yeah, he just shares lots of other beautiful photos i think he's based in hawaii with his family have you oh, been yeah. to hawaii and surfed there i have yes stayed on Kauai, actually one of the smaller oh, islands yeah. uh got some family there and yeah hawaii's beautiful reminded me a lot of yeah. new zealand actually especially yeah, so uh, lush yeah yeah like northland uh, hawaii reminded me a lot of northland oh yeah just untouched just semi-tropical yeah. beautiful yeah, no, I love Hawaii, and uh, I mean the b best waves in the world in Hawaii. Yeah, um, have you, have you they, yourself? Oh yeah, of course. I've I've surfed the North Shore of Hawaii, man. No, just kidding. <laughs> and I've heard that's like a really key place to go. The only places I've surfed is uh, Pimatangi Beach. Oh, years and years and years ago. I grew up surfing uh, there. Yeah, kind of. That's where I kind of learnt the basics. And then, um, oh, you grew up there. You're kind of, there. yeah. I mean, I the first time I went surfing was at South Beach Wanganui. Harvey That's Bowling. Right. Um, it pushed me into a wave. Um, and then I, got, I was instantly addicted to surfing and then ended up living in Palmerston North studying photography. And we would drive out to Himatangi and Foxton whenever yeah. we could and surf those sad waves out there because it was the closest... Yeah. We lived yeah. on the beach. There was um, four of us, and like it was a flat situation. Just a humble little home, but it was just walked out the sliding door over the back lawn, over the dune, and you're you're on the beach. Wow, amazing! It's yeah. so expensive now. It would, yeah. Times yeah. have changed. But the other place, I uh, actually had a lesson, and the instructor said, "Yeah, you've got good trim." Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that stuck with you. Yeah. So it must be <laughs> good trim. Like, yeah, I don't know if um. Like, do you have bangs at the time? <laughs> I don't know. It's just maybe it means like good, good flow. And, maybe and, good and flow? surfing and surfing trim means that you matched the speed of the wave well. Oh wow! That's yeah, good you, to know. You were yeah. at one with with Mother Nature. Wow. In the zone, feeling the flow, you're trimming. Yeah. Yeah, surfing you're is cool. You're, it's, you're, very, you're very immersed in nature. You're in a zone, right? And you're a part of a bit of a tribe. A tribe, a bit of a different community. Yes, it can be. Yep. Tribe is a good way to put it. Um, surfing culture is a strange one, though. It's very... Um, there's lots of different subgroups. 
right. within surfing. So the big wave surfers in Nazare, for example, they're, they're a very small group of people who like to do that kind of surfing. This is, there's maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe less than 100 people in the world that, that can even are able to do it. They've actually done um, brain scans um, of big wave surfers and they have just as much head trauma as professional f American football athletes. So it's, oh. yeah, it's there's very few people that can withstand those sort of regular beatdowns. Conditions. Because yeah. what happens when they wipe out? It's so incredibly violent. Like I've surfed waves like what you call triple overhead um so maybe you'd call it like a 20 foot wave whereas the waves in this area are 100 foot but i can tell you my experience of surfing a 20 foot wave is when you fall off it's just it's like hitting the water the water's like hitting concrete it hurts and then when you go under and you get thrown around it literally feels like you're in a giant washing machine and you have a thousand people trying to pull your arms off your body so you just sort of try and hold yourself into a ball and hold yourself together. And of course it's yeah. cold and you can't breathe and you're scared that your surfboard might hit you. And then you come up and you paddle back out and you try and do it all again. It's, it's, it's mad. Yeah, that is, it just sounds crazy and um, very traumatic. And it have can people be. died doing that? Oh, like, people die all the time for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it, like it is true. It is traumatic though, because I remember the, the first time I surfed waves of that magnitude, um, I'd done a lot of training beforehand um, to get there. And on the day, your adrenaline's just, just, your heart's just racing, the adrenaline's pumping, and you're feeling all those feelings that I described, but you don't realize how, how violent it was until the next day i remember waking up the next day and i couldn't get out of bed i was like i thought i'd been hit by a bus I just, every bone and every muscle in my body was sore i was depressed because the the adrenaline and the elation of having experienced that is just so there's a massive come down it's almost like you've been out on the e and you've been hit by a bus and you wake up in the morning and go what is going on so it's it's incredibly it's a very very intense experience surfing big waves well and uh i think when you feel physically flat you um your mental health um suffers as well because you're physically tired and therefore your your mind's going oh blah 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 uh, yeah i'm scared exhausted so um you just really have to re recuperate and rejuvenate oh, yeah. so hey Viv, Viv, you there you got a sign for us I told him to write a new sign. <laughs> oh, the mic sad working on, no. Oh, no. Okay. No worries. All good. <laughs> a fantastic musician. And, um, oh, originals or session musician or? Yeah, both, I think. Both? Yeah. Yeah. He's, right. um, you know, Ben Harper, he does that, the little yes. really flat into the, at the Talking. Yep. Yeah, so, um, but he's oh, done, cool. uh, yeah, rock, electric, acoustic, blues. Yeah. He's got another cool. sign. Got another sign? My, um, <laughs> my, um well, if I wasn't in, so I was, music is my second love. I should say right. third. Right. So, do you play an instrument? I try and play all of them. Uh, mostly guitar, but I, I, I uh, 
played a lot of bass guitar as well and drums trying yep. to learn the drums um vocals i was getting vocal lessons in los angeles oh, and wow. uh and just fiddling around on the keyboard a little bit too but primarily guitar really um but yeah, just same. obsessed with music in general really music is amazing yeah. Yeah, what was um what are you into at the moment? Um I think you you sent me a track that you like. It was not something I would normally listen to, but I felt because I found it quite obscure. But then it was sort of because of the pace. You know, when someone recommends a song or tells me about a new song, yeah, it was more ambient, but that sort of told me to slow down someone's mm. life gets too busy and you just get used to the same music that uplifts you um yeah but uh, yeah it's definitely yeah. it has a very distinct mood that album that song in particular the album i'm talking about is called eat the elephant by a perfect circle and the title track off that album which is the first track is a very it is kind of obscure but it's an absolutely beautiful song and I might even go as far as to say that song has was a huge part of my recovery. It's a very inspiring song, very inspiring. If you listen to the lyrics, um, Maynard, he, you probably know him from Tool. Uh, he's the singer of A Perfect Circle. He's my favorite singer. Um, and he just, it is a very beautiful, well thought out song. That's Eat the great. Elephant. Yeah, because uh, it's pure. Your appreciation of music and the art and you know the whole craft it might have taken months to craft yes that song. so the the person who wrote that song um he wrote it over a length of years toing and froing with maynard because to get someone like maynard to to you know write a melody and sing on on one of your tracks he has to really be inspired by it so there was, uh, he's quite open uh, a perfect if you look at perfect circle they do a lot of in, um, interviews and very open with the process not not maynard so much but the guitarist whose name eludes me now for anyway um yeah, yeah that song was written that album was written over years um wow the whole album is very very musical yeah i recommend yes. that it's one of those albums where you listen to it once you know like, eh. And then I still listen to it every week, and there was a mm. there was a two year period where I would listen to that album at least once a day. It's just one of those albums that just gets better and better the more you listen to it. Don't really it's get that much, to you, right? It's speaking to you. At, yes, uh, you know, it's definitely resonating with you. It's probably sticks in your head like an earworm. You know the yeah. same song, and then then you like if you listen to it again, you're going to hear something new a new layer and that's really cool how music can do that indeed because um, it's like building a um a muscle your ears in a way you know you're building a bit of a a, a muscle in your ears that sounds weird but um you know you're you're, you're educating your ears so, yeah you're listening in a, on a finer and finer detail and it's actually very no, diving into music and learning more about music has helped me become a better surfer as well. Like focus? Tom Carroll, not, yeah, partly, but more so, well, I actually think it, when you start looking at the, the details, like for example, if you start looking at the smaller details in a wave when you're surfing, there's little bumps on the surface of the water, 
there's lots of different swells in the water you start looking at some more of the details in surfing you become a better surfer and the same is true with music when you start really listening to the details you know the difference between a, a half a step of a note is everything now if you don't know what to listen for or how to listen for it or you're not trying to listen for it you you're never going to learn it so first of all you have to realize it's there and then start listening to it and for it um, and then I think as you sort of narrow you yourself down into the finer details that's what brings you that's partly what brings you into the the present moment even more and, and that's what increases your focus so it's kind of like a a, a, a winning circle and, so when um, you like when you first moved back um so, you know, you would have needed time to get away from the kids and did you turn to music just for some escapism or I some did actually. Sort of serenity? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, escapism. I guess that's kind of the right word. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. An expression. <laughs> too. I mean, I write my own music and lyrics. So right. that's, that's oh, part great. of it as well, uh, is expressing that. Um, but yeah, just focusing in on the sound and the when you play guitar, it's not just. You know, one uh, teacher taught me if, it's not just about how the guitar sounds. How does it resonate on your chest? How does the, the vibrations of the string feel in your fingers? Because bone actually conducts sound better than air does. So you start to feel the music. And um, so when I started concentrating on not just listening but feeling it as well and how it makes me feel. Um, and that was a big help, I think, because um, you could, you know, you can choose a song. It's easy to choose a song that 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 um, suits your mood, and you might choose a sad song if you're feeling sad. But sometimes you just choose a happy song because you're feeling sad, and it brings you up, it lifts you up. The feeling of that song helps. Yeah, it helps you. It does. Like both uh, can be need, cathartic. Um, yeah, listen to some good music in the morning. It can just put you in the right energy and. Yeah, just keep your motivation up and yeah. Yeah, I often listen to a little bit of. Um, I mean, I do a lot of audio editing, but in between that, um, just some lo-fi, study, chill, whatever they call it. I just find like a mix of that and uh, like some similar to what I've got playing in the background, but maybe a little bit more ambient. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm a it does actually work because I'm. Um, you know, I just get annoyed by other people's voices if I'm in the office. <laughs> so I'd rather just have headphones on and that's a little bit antisocial, but, you know, it's just I'd rather be productive. And then when I'm ready to chat with people, like, we'll have a good chat in that. But, um, yeah, and then I've just got to go back and focus. So totally. Back. Sometimes it's better to listen to the, listen to music rather than listen to the negative voice in your head. Sometimes it's that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you've got to fight those voices. <laughs> Drown them out. Yeah, yeah, tune them out. And um, did you happen to have a guitar standing by? Me? You yeah. talking to me still? Yeah. Oh, there's all sorts of step around yeah. here, yeah. Did you want to share a little tune before we sign Ooh. off? I'm not really prepared for that. Maybe I could, maybe well, guess what? without singing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't have to sing, but um, last year, because this show really inspired me, so I wrote this little song one Saturday afternoon. I mean, <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch to call it a song. It's more like a little melody with a couple of variations. You know, I played it on air, very basic to me, 
But um, I said, oh, no, I'm not ready. And then they said, well, Sophia at the time, well, you know, I, I don't know what she said, something really inspiring. So I just started playing it. I just got it out of, out of the way and it felt really good <laughs> after doing okay. it. So, yeah. So you all shut up. Go and check on Bibbin. You bring up your guitar. Go. All right, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been live for the last two minutes. Oh. Yeah. Just two minutes. <laughs> <around>. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Well done. Thanks. Very good. Is that an original? Yeah, that's a little section of an original. Yeah. Did you, are you yeah. self-taught? Mostly, yeah. Mostly. Do any of your relatives, do they teach you? Anything? No. That's that, it's interesting. It's like I didn't even touch I never touch a guitar until I left home when I was 17, 18 nearly. And my buddies were, they just taught me a few songs. And yeah, I just sort of messed around with the guitar for ages. And then for years, I was told I was tone deaf. And then two years ago, I was like, someone said to me, You can tune a guitar by ear. You must be able to sing. I was like, mm. And then I went to it. I was like, I had money. I was like, I go to a singing teacher and see what's going on. So I went to the singing teacher and she's like, You're not tone deaf. You just haven't been taught how to sing. I was like, ah, oh, okay. So just she just taught me 
you know, which part of the reason for going to singing lessons actually was because I was podcasting and I wanted to sort of have a better voice for podcasting as well. Um, yeah, yeah, um, it's good to um, have that projection. My voice sort of comes and goes. I've had times when just going back to like trauma or sadness where I've gone a little bit mute actually. It's really freaky and you do lose your voice. When you, you know, you get excited about life again and your voice comes back and you start singing along to your favourite tunes, you know, oh, wow, I'm alive again. And yeah. this gives you, you're like, there's something coming out of your heart. So good on you for taking lessons. It also, it's to be honest, it scares the shit out of me. Like, and it also brings out emotions when you um, sing. Singing can actually bring out some uh, deep emotion as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was in, I did a lot of it in LA when I was, um, there was some other stuff going on before that. Some even <laughs> just as bad trauma went on before the trauma we already spoke about. And um, singing was all I had. I happened to be living in a in beautiful home in Malibu with a PA system, so I could really, you know, just go for it. And um, I know a lot about neurology and the human body as well. So, and even in Buddhism, the, the chanting, right? Chanting, what it does is it stimulates your voice box, which stimulates the vagus nerve, which is actually very calming. So yep. if you if you sing with good technique, it's actually very very calming on the nervous system. Um, and there's just a point where I just didn't care what I sounded like. I just did it because it made me feel good. Yeah. We had this exercise we had to do in performing arts years ago where they said it doesn't matter how your voice sounds, what sound you make. You just have to let out all these sounds for like um, two minutes. Yeah. So it was really freaky. But he was just like... It's <laughs> like, kind of shocked. So, old Simon, Pounds in the North, Simon Ferry, excellent tutor. From, uh, Shout out to from, Cy. All yeah. Right. And also, you know, yeah. living, in, living in Malibu and living in LA, I was blessed enough to meet a lot of quite famous people and talking with them. And it's like, you, you don't realize that someone you might, I'm not going to name any names, but someone who you might think of as an amazing singer and they're like all oh, they're talented or they're gifted no 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 yeah. they work their ass off all day yeah. every yeah. day for that performance that you saw and even even the hour before they performed they were backstage running scales and making sure yeah. their voice was yeah. good or whatever and it's just even even there's a famous band i saw i remember the singer i remember seeing the singer because i was out right the front of the singer he had an app and he was like using the pitch app just detect he was just getting his making sure he was singing in the right key before he started like going on stage is the so i think people that's a big wow. misconception of what people don't realize is that there's not that many people if any who are just perfect pitch talented singers or gifted athletes that can just go and do it whenever most people that got there got there through just a lot of dedication hard work and yeah. help and yeah well, everyone has an off day, even singers. Oh, yeah. YouTube, yeah. look up Chris Cornell on YouTube. There's plenty of concerts where he's singing flat. Right. Hey, yeah. uh, do you know Daniel Beddingfield? He's over there. Oh, he yeah. was, he's still living over around LA, I think. So he's a great singer. 
Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's an excellent singer. He maybe wasn't as... Um, what do you call it, mainstream popular as his sister? But I just think, yeah, he had excellent voice and he just, he rocked out at a local Auckland bar one night and, um, yeah, just did acapella, just blew everyone away. Real yeah, showman. Cool. Yeah, it was great. Great to Pressure see. makes diamonds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone said the other night on the show, our Friday night host, Michelle, she said, um, we've got the saying that immersive... Are you comfortable being uncomfortable? And it's it's sort of like, no, I don't like being uncomfortable. Of course not. But that means you must be growing, right? Going yeah, through you, everything you've been through. Do you feel like a different person in a way? Totally. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I can't remember where, when or when or where it started, but I just started to, I had, I just wanted to do things that were really hard and that I was bad at. And surfing was one of those things. I was terrible at surfing, and um, because surfing is a, it's quite you know risky. Um, there's rips, and uh, you have to keep quite fit, and you have to be able to swim, and you also you know there's the risk of bumping into a shark. So um, yeah, and it's kind of aggressive. Sometimes the vibes out there can be quite aggressive. Would you oh say? yeah, I was never yeah that, definitely all that's true. But I was never scared of any of that. It was more. I was scared of looking bad or not, do you know what I mean? Or, or not being good enough or, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's almost maybe sing, sing, singing is like a better thing. It's like going to a karaoke bar and singing is so like, I couldn't think of anything worse. That's But that's exactly why I did it. That's Because that, I think that when you when you do the thing that you fear most and you you go out and do it and it's not that bad, it gives you confidence to do anything else. Yeah, and then you keep going, right? You're just going to try something else. And you always wonder, what the hell do they mean by feel the fear and do it anyway? Or the other one, um, do something that scares you every day. Like, hmm. Yeah, Maybe well, I wasn't really living before. Or, there's a lot of truth know. in that. A lot of, sometimes it's also, I think, that, you know, those feelings of anxiety. I can't remember oh, who yeah. said you just If you just relabel them. It's just an like sometimes I get so anxious and scared, and I just like you know what? It's just energy. Just label, call it energy, creative energy, if you want. Um, yes. But even you know when I was, I, I would, my nickname at school was Silent Mike. I would just, oh. I would never have anything to say. I would never. I would be scared to talk. And then when I became a personal trainer, because I really enjoyed the physical body and sort of get out of your head and into your body, and then. I was never a good enough athlete to be a pro athlete. So what do you do? You, you teach, you know, you, I'll get a personal training qualification and I'll teach others how to exercise. And then you quickly realize, well, in order to be a, a successful personal trainer, you have to be able to talk, not just talk to people well, but approach them cold. And I literally remember when I first went to London and had to go into a gym and just walk up to people and talk to them. I remember my face would go bright red. I would be sweating I'd be almost crying and I would just stand there and look at look them in the eye and just keep talking and just and just literally fight the physical anxiety that my body was just my heart was racing. I don't even yeah. know whether they noticed. But Probably not. But yeah. It took it took me years before that stopped. 
Right. And now, and now I feel like I just, I mean, I can, I've emceed weddings. I, I just, you know, it, it doesn't bother me anymore. Oh, wow. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, right. I guess it is. There's an element of fun about it. Yeah. yeah. My sister used to photograph weddings. Um, I always wanted to know what it would be like to DJ a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun for the first two or three times. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I just those drunk bridesmaids. I don't know. And Asking for requests, requesting some shit. Like, nah, <laughs> you listen to it. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, I love, I love a lot of pop music, but um, yeah, I'm quite picky, I guess, in a way. But um, yeah, music's definitely helped you, obviously. Mm. And any of your children musical? We have to sign off soon. But, they know, are actually, yeah. They were when we were in Malibu. They were all getting. I was getting drum lessons, and they were too. And a little bit, they did a little bit of piano as well. But they're always singing. They're great singers. Wow, that's good. Um, so there were there's always music in the house and dancing and singing and a little bit of drums. You know, the trauma. They've slowly re as they're recovering from you know, the the trauma and stuff. They're getting back into into music now. So. And um, their yeah, mother was actually a, a she was a concert level pianist, who rang. She even won a oh songwriting God. award when she was fourteen. So, I think they got their natural music talent from her. Um, and I, but I think they they see my tenacity. In order for me to to maintain a to hold a drum beat, I have to you know practice to a click track every day, and <laughs> it's just it never came natural for me. But I keep at it. So yeah, I still love um, bongos. Fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's important that they learn all aspects, uh, you know, rhythm, harmony, and melody. It's important that they learn a little bit of each. Um, so that's yeah. why we sort of got and they kids naturally want to smash the drums. So you know, yeah, kind of teach them. So they like the yeah. pots, the yep. yeah, wooden spoons in the pots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got <laughs> I've got I've got an acoustic drum kit and an, ele an electric drum kit here in the house. So cool. Yep. They, oh, they it's like music nuts. therapy. Music therapy. Oh, art that's therapy. a huge. Music therapy is a big, especially in America. Right. Um, music therapy is very big and very successful, and it's becoming more and more accepted as a therapy. Um, and I th it should be. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, anything else you want to share before we sign off? This was supposed to be a half-hour show. Bevan's going to come back another time. We're going to sort out that yep. audio problem. All right, yeah, it's 10 yeah. o'clock already. Time flies. Yeah, no, yeah. just thank you. Thanks for having me on and thanks for listening. And yeah, that was great. Yeah, well, every guest helps build this show. It builds the community. Uh, really grateful. Is anyone you want to dedicate this show to? Um, do you know what? Strange, I'm going to dedicate it to Van, Van Neistat, strangely. Okay. Just because I was um, editing, so I interviewed him a few weeks ago, and he's very inspirational to me, and I edited the podcast of his today, and I his YouTube channel ta has taught me a lot. Van? Uh, yep. Van Neistat. Okay. N-I-E-S-T-A-T. He's okay. an artist. He worked with a, a very famous artist called Tom Sachs, and now he's doing his, producing his own art. And in my opinion, he is uplifting yep. the the medium of YouTube videos. 
Right. Um, he's, um, he's got a really cool YouTube channel that I find very um, entertaining, but also very philosophical and inspiring. And it's just, uh, it's very, it's very cool. Oh, wow. It sounds very so innovative. And he's a bit of a writer as well. Well, yeah, he, yeah. so he, he puts out a one or two 10 minute videos a week and they've, that's a full-time job for him that, you know, he spends three days writing them, but that's his medium at the moment is YouTube mm. videos. Um, yeah. Some of his videos really helped me on my journey and um, also mm -hmm. a perfect, I have to shout out to a perfect circle just because their album Eat the Elephant um, has been a big part of uh, my healing journey as well. Brilliant. Well, oh, and to my sister. Thanks. Thanks, sis. Thanks, sis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're going to publish this, put your podcast link, and yeah, maybe Van's YouTube channel and the links yeah. that you recommended him. And that's how people get found by recommend, you know, recommend each other. So, um, yeah, share the inspiration, share the joy. <laughs> okay, cool, Michael. See you soon. Right, thank you. Oh, wow, well, what a show. We went for one hour and two minutes. Thank you to Bevan for joining, even though he's going to join another time soon because we had that audio issue. Don't worry about that. Uh, Finn from Wellington, thank you so much for your time, Finn. And, um, yeah, often you, you, you give a lot in the comments on various shows as well. If you want to check out talkback.nz, buymeacoffee.com slash talkbacknz if you want to support this show. Thank you, back Wednesday night with Bong and Bradbury. Thank you for your time, everyone. And uh, bid you a fine farewell. Bye.